Job Podcast as we're back at it. And uh, this time we're uh, dealing with somebody else who really is passionate about trying to help that that current, uh, future current, and even uh, past student athlete that, that's looking to see where their life's going and how to take the next step. Uh, introduce you to Tyler Johnson. I knew Tyler from my days at the University of Northern Iowa. He was on the field. I was in the office. And uh, Tyler, talk about who you are uh, for those that don't know you. Sure. Um, it's a Iowa kid raised here in, the, in Des Moines and uh, had the opportunity to play college football here in Northern Iowa, which was uh, full of a lot of great experiences for me and, and the relationships that I was able to build here. Uh, still lasts today, I think. Sure. While we're here. Yeah. I, I think, you know, being able to create relationships and, and really who I am is, you know, I uh, was an athlete, and I think uh, that's kind of what I thought of myself uh, as a youngster was was that mold of an athlete. And uh, well, I think it, the game you play in life changes. You don't stop playing the game. Right. And uh, sometimes I say, you know, I heard a guy say, you know, I got a fitted suit. Just the, I fit in my suit. You know, only me can fit in my suit, just like my jersey. Okay. When I go out there, and he's like, so you know, this is about me. You know, I'm playing a different game. I got different uniforms. We're on different teams. Um, but really, for me, it's it, it kind of a pursuit of continued betterment for myself uh, and kind of being able to constantly improve. And I think when you're doing that, uh, that sets the tone for you being able to help others and, and navigate challenges and things that, that you can do. But if you're not constantly growing and learning and try to improve, it's going to be hard to attract people that also want to improve, grow, Sure. You know, the journey we've been here on, on that I've seen over the last couple of years on this on pursuing Jersey to job and where it was going and, uh, you know, talking to former student athletes um, and looking back to when you left high school uh, in Des Moines and you know, you're heading to Cedar Falls, Iowa. You were going to be playing for the University of Northern Iowa football team. Uh, you got through that. You've had you had an injury scare along the way. Didn't know where your career was going. But when you left you and I. You stayed in sports because that's where you thought your life should be. Yeah, I think part of it was uh, being an athlete and uh, then going through the business school is how do you combine these two things and uh, really love the business of sports, uh, not just being in it with a big team. It was, it was the business side that fascinated me too. And uh, for me, it was, it was a pursuit that I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be great. And I still am around sports in what I do now. It's always had a, a big impact on my life. Uh, it's through sports that I created most of the relationships that are life-lasting. Sure. Um, relationships, you know, beyond the field. And uh, for me, it was uh, sports were just part of my life, and I didn't want them to not be such a big part of my mm -hmm. life uh, when I went into the business world. So uh, it was a blessing and opportunity to have work with the Chicago White Sox after following a World Series championship. And um, I think also being around a top level team after that happened to see the types of people and the commitment and those kind of things that in sports was also a different side than sure. what you get in the media mm -hmm. of you know really behind the doors of what it takes what it means to those people to accomplish what they did and so uh, also at the same time seeing and having the opportunity to see pro athletes and the Yankees and the Red Sox come to batting practice and see how they go through their routines and see how you would notice to be different those programs were from other teams in their organization, their character, their culture that moved around with them. Some of those things began to fascinate me uh, because those were things that sometimes they were missing on some of my teams. So you left the White Sox. Is that when you moved on to, to Colorado from there? Or? Yeah. Um, 
I got an opportunity with the Denver Nuggets doing doing a similar role. Yeah, it was kind of a ticket sales marketing position, a lot of a lot of fundraising kind of which that fundraising kind of arm was did a little bit more with the Nuggets, got me into the more nonprofit world too. And seeing that there's a lot more opportunities out there than I had imagined earlier yeah. in my twenties. But when you're working for any sports organization, really, the hours are challenging and the demands are, are there too. Uh, there's the players have demands, but the office people have demands on them as well. If you don't like working on weekends and holidays, uh, that isn't for you. I think I learned that that very quickly, and that commitment is beyond being a fan. Uh, it's also a difficult two-way street. Time in Major League Baseball is great. My second year in the National Basketball Association, there was a lockout. It, it was also an eye-opening experience to me because being part of that front office, while you know players that that make the big chunks, when you're in-house and you don't have games, you don't have seats and sponsorships to sell. Sure, and so. Uh, having just moved there in my second year, being like, we don't have stuff to sell because of that. I can't do my job. And so you're kind of in this holding pattern for like three months, twiddling your thumbs. And um, I didn't personally like that. You know, I think uh, in sports, it's like, ooh, this is a side I haven't seen. So that was a different aspect of sports of, of when there are kind of some, some economic stripes with those leagues, uh, which opened it up my eyes to, to some of the other opportunities being new in a city and also I think caused me to rethink, you know, this has been great, but what do I really, really want to do? And what, what do I believe in and what do I really want to put my effort towards as far as meaningful work? And uh, when they look at success of people, the, you know, the two of the main things that uh, drive some of that success is one, you want to be passionate about what you're doing and, and passion's great, but the other part is People want to have what they you know, call meaningful work and what's meaningful to you. And within that meaningful work, how are you seeing progress? Because if you're not seeing progress, it doesn't have much meaning for, right. for us. So really, uh, it got me, you know, I love sports. I love kids. I had all these opportunities to, to see the connections and magic that, that can happen through sports at a local and professional level, at a college level. And I wanted to you know, tap into the things and, and teach some of the things that could help kids and student athletes. So, and that fast forwards to now where you're at of the work you're doing for, uh, you know, for, a, for an organization you're developing, but you work for another, another one as well that really has stoked that interest in, in helping student athletes be, become better, better selves or better people. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a guy I had relationships with that did sports placement for professional teams and executives. His name was uh, Stephen Masterson. He introduced me to an organization that was uh, continuing to grow. It was based out of Stanford uh, in 1998. It was started by a guy named Jim Thompson. It was really the mission to transform youth in high school sports to be a more positive character-building environment for all kids involved. But we see kind of some of the, the negativity and drastic things in those environments and, and really wanted to arm coaches and schools and, and kids with better tools. And that was really PCA's mission. And they're coming to Colorado to launch their number six chapter. I saw this organization as a as a way to grow and kind of have some of the impact I, I wanted to have and dug into uh, getting the Colorado chapter launched. And you know, in that process, got to see the execution of the work that they were after and trying to accomplish their mission and going out to do some of the education and working with student athletes and coaches is what uh, really started to pull on my heartstrings. So what type of things are they working on with the student athletes? What's an example of that? That what PCA does with their student athletes, they have a model called the Triple Impact Competitor. So we're really focusing on three things, which I think fit really good into this podcast. Sure. Because if you're an athlete or you're not an athlete, 
this is practical for future. And if you do focus on these things, uh, you'll get better results. Mm -hmm. And it's really that focus of mastery. How are you getting, making yourself better? Um, how are you making those around you better through positivity and encouragement? And the last part, you know, whatever game, community, or school are you in, how are you making that better? How are you raising those things? And so from a student athlete standpoint, it's, you know, how do you honor the game and honor your school and represent those things? That got me out dealing with more uh, student athletes. And then also that became questions about my own career and challenges that I had navigated as an athlete on and off the field and pushed me to uh, also feedback from entities and athletic directors and coaches that I knew. Um, I could see and recognize that there was a need for uh, more of this and, and a little bit more variety. As I got kind of deeper into the education side of that and, and really spent a lot of weekends nerding out on, on anything I could, books and YouTube to always build uh, a repertoire of, of things that I could you know, serve other people with and make ap applicable to young kids. Got me to start my own business, Elevate, Educate, Rejuvenate. It's kind of a, a mode when I was about halfway through college I didn't call it or label it that, but it was kind of some of those things that uh, you know, Dr. Corbin had instilled it in a class or two. A great professor I had uh, was, you know, you've got to wake up every day and elevate your attitude. It's not always going to be great. And so you're going to have to elevate yourself to rise up or whatever you want to do is, is choose your attitude. You're right. That fits in. doesn't matter if it's about sports or academics or work. Anything, those three points fit into that. And I think for, for me, I was like, if you... If you can't elevate your attitude and you're just going to be responsive to the environment about you, mm -hmm. you've got to be able to go into an environment and set the tone as a leader and who you are and what you want to do. And you know, the other part, I mean, we have access to way more information than we did 10, 20 years ago. Right. Um, and I think I heard a great podcast that they're talking about, you know, kids these days are uh, biologically advanced. They need better nutrition and things we, we have. Um, they're technology advanced. Their information, they've got access to more information than our parents, their brother, anybody before them. Mm -hmm. But there's been, on the downside, you can see uh, emotional and social not advanced in, in this generation. And part of that has, you know, dynamics of technology, family dynamics, and a lot of things that, that combine to that. Um, but really that emotional and social intelligence is usually going to be the driver of our, not just some of our success in life, but our happiness. Right. You know, and, and, if, and if that isn't at some sort of adequate level of contentment and satisfaction with ourself, it's going to really have hard to have an impact on other people. Well, and that age is so, uh, can be influenced by so many different people that, that either are building up as a student athlete of, of how good they are, how awesome they are, that they're setting the path for getting that, that college scholarship offer or whatever it is. But thinking beyond that, thinking of, of how you're going to develop yourself as a person, as a professional, as a family member, as a friend, you know that's that's why I was interested in talking to you because I think what 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 I'm what I'm doing and what you're doing complement each other very well. Uh, I talked to you about another friend of mine, Daryl Stinson, who is on the spiritual end of things. So you look at that as kind of a three-legged stool, if you will, to to make a better person. Because I think you're right. the The emotional uh, end of it is is missing. I think we have smartest kids we've ever had intelligent or knowledge-based or whatever being able to do stuff on their own that's that's the gap that i see that uh, that you and i are both looking to help is helping them make some better decisions and some and some direction but you have to have trust you yeah. have to have trust in that and that trust takes time 
especially when you go through the recruiting process, you don't know what's right, what's wrong, what's what, what path you should go down. Yeah. When you hear from coaches. Yeah, especially as, a, as a, someone that's looking to play college sports, there's a lot of voices. Um, there's voices from high school. There's voices from schools. There's voices from your community, and they all think you know that they're really important. And a lot of those voices are important if they're important to you. For me, it was you know a very small circle of you know family and, and friends and mentors that. I trusted, and after I went on a visit somewhere, I could hit them up and, and get the feedback that I wanted uh, or was looking for. And, and really, the best feedback that I got was, you know, if you can't play sports, if you get in a car accident, you tear your ACL, now you can fix ACL like overnight, I think. Are you going to be happy there? It, with, with football gone, it, are you going to be happy there? If sports are gone, what's your next pursuit on that campus? And that was some of the best advice I got in high school and looking at colleges and feeling where am I going to be comfortable and I think if you can find a place where you're going to be comfortable you're going to have a lot better opportunity to thrive. You know you do have to get uncomfortable for growth but you need that comfort factor, that inclusive factor that you feel like you're part of something, that you're you're in that school and for me Northern Iowa had a lot of elements that even if football was gone I was going to be very content with the opportunities and things. Because there was a time you thought you weren't going to play anymore because you're back and, and trying to figure out what your next steps are. And and one thing I, I found in, in my research and conversations and discussions is I want to have that conversation with that student athlete. What What's your life going to be if sports isn't? And it's almost taboo that I'm finding to talk about because uh, from a student athlete or even a coach's perspective, they want you in that mindset, thinking championship, thinking success, not thinking, okay, if I am not the best of the best, this is what I'm going to be. So there's a there's a line there that's it's 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 it it's sometimes difficult to to break into. That line, yeah, it, it can get blurred. It's a great story. It's actually you know, transformational. One of the things Urban Meyer was, you know, dis- disregard the uh, totally unrelated to the consequence he's been yeah, through. You know, one of the things that he said that has most transformed his coaching between Florida and when he went to Ohio State was. Nothing in his football programs, but it was actually his daughter's volleyball recruitment. And when he was going with his daughter to these D1 schools and getting recruited, they were telling her, hey, here's your fancy locker. What kind of jerseys do you want? You know, this is this and this and and all these things. And no one was asking his daughter, what do you want to be? Right. What do you want to do with your life? What's important to you? They are just showing you things the way he does it now is that's that's the starting point. And he said, oh, shoot, I was kind of guilty of some of that, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I've done that, and our staff has, has been put out the shiny things, too. But it was really to take that step back and start from the point. And I think uh, he found after a few years, man, it, it really helped the trust between not just the kid and the family because every other coach was talking about things and not pursuits, not mm-hmm. people. Do you work with quite a few prospective Student athletes, is that where you primarily see, or they're just they're, they're student athletes in high school right now? Uh, both. Obviously, we're with a good amount of high schools in the Colorado area. Um, I have opportunities to go speak at some other high schools in, in other states. I have a couple of partnerships that I like to say are some of our friends that uh, one runs a gym. He's a former Bronco NFL player that runs a gym out in Colorado and a very high success rate of kids going to, to play college sports. I think he's had he's, this gym's been open four years and he's got over 70 kids that have been through that have gone on to play college football at sure. some level. And uh, the last time I went to go work with their kids, I had a group of 20, 15 of those kids had D1 scholarship offers. Okay. 
a lot to Power Five. Yeah, what I was I was surprised that I was talking to uh, Bobby Peterson, who's a volleyball coach at the University of North Iowa, highly successful, been here a long time, um, and then uh, and her assistant staff, Kwani Mahi and Kim Davis, and you know, come to find out, and this isn't this isn't just volleyball, but it's other sports of how early these kids are committing uh, to, to scholarships, and my 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 fear there is. Uh, the family got their goal. You know, they got the scholarship. Are you thinking about that next step? And that's what you're referring to earlier. You know, what do you want to be? I can say it from my perspective. What do you want to be occupation-wise? But from your side, who do you want to be? I get concerned, too, when you have this, uh, you said these, a pain point that, that's to my ears that I hear around sports, and it's this, the family's goal, the scholarship. And... There's this exercise we used to do with Positive Coaching Alliance. It's like a 100-point exercise. When I first started, I was like, Dad, you got to flash back to, you know, be, I'm going to do it as I'm set. And you do it as when you were a parent then. And, you know, and I waited 50 points on scholarship. That was my goal. I wanted to get a college football scholarship. Right. My dad, in flashback, he put five points. And also reflecting back, I was like, that's about right. My dad was never pushing scholarship. When I talked about it, his response was, keep working, keep working, keep learning, keep right. working. It was never we got it. And I've seen, you can look at the straight statistics. Um, I've had many conversations with, with kids that are helping run in football camps now that went to places they were unhappy with. Because if one thing is true in life, and this kind of parents, if it's your parents' goal to get a scholarship, that's your parents' goal. They're living vicariously. And I've never met a person in life that chases other people's goals. Mm -hmm. And your kid, kids are the same way. And the number one reason why a kid leaves a scholarship at about 19%, I believe, is that they're too far from home. Thick irony in that suit for me. Right. That mom and dad, we want this, we're out, we got it. But now that we don't have mom and dad support system. It's well, and nowadays in, 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 in all the club sports, et cetera, there's a lot of time spent together as a family unit with that direction, where you're going, where you got to be at this time, what you're eating, what you're wearing, it, you know, monitoring, is your, is your homework done, or you got this done? The evolution of kind of that transition has changed a lot. And I think when I was younger, it was dinner table time. Um, nowadays, with especially kids that are in, you know, aggressive or programs that they're passionate about in high school, and if they're, you know, especially in specialization, these conversations don't happen around the dinner table anymore. Right. They happen in a van with fast food after an emotionally charged event. From a parent or kid's perspective, that can be a mix of good or bad things. Yeah. What's most important to the kid is that meal. Right. In, that, in those things. Yeah. And, and the connection they want with mom and dad. But uh, the dynamics of how we digest what sports are about and how we can do it has changed a lot. You're in town in Cedar Falls because you can be invited to the Ed Thomas Foundation to speak over in Appleton Parkersburg yeah. High School. And, and what was your message to those high school students yesterday? Yeah, it, for me it was a big honor because, uh, you know, they, at the beginning of the event they show kind of the SB Award video content because a lot of the kids there don't quite know the story of Ed Thomas and his legacy. And I was blessed to, at Northern Iowa, play alongside of, of some of the guys. Um, Brad Meester was a captain when I was a freshman. was one of those, those guys you kind of looked up to and had a great NFL career. So for me, it was, it was having met Ed Thomas once or twice in passing as an athlete. It was, you heard about him as a high school, this legendary right. guy. Mm -hmm. um, before, you know, the, the, this tragedy kind of struck the, the town and the family, it was totally humbling. What we talked about yesterday um, in my talk about being a leader was really four, four key things um, that I believe every kid can elevate 
to be a better leader, and these things are going to make yourself a better teammate, mm-hmm. make the people around you better. And those are you know, your belief, your energy, your influence, and your actions. And a lot of times when we talk with kids, is you've got to start to build your belief in yourself because it is a negative world. We do not, sometimes parents, we like to raise our kids in a PG world. It, it is an R and X-rated world out there that you're going to have to navigate. Finding out, you know, who are you, what do you stand for, and what do you believe is critical, and then build that belief. Because you're going to have to build that b- belief because that's what gives you confidence before you get experience. But if you don't have that belief in self, then you're going to have to believe in yourself before others do. I remember being a freshman rugrat saying, I want to play college football. I weighed like 140. <laughs> no one was saying, hey, you're on, you got it. There was a lot of doubt. And, you know, it was three years later when coach was like, hey, you might have a, an opportunity. Um, when I wanted to work in professional sports, you know, people in the business school were like, dude, you're going to make way less money. Why don't you go work for this company? And mm-hmm. it's, there's offices are so small, you'll never even get an interview. And, and there's doubters. And I, I figured it out. And so not just having that belief in yourself, but as a leader, you need to believe in other people. And as a leader, you need to share your belief that your teammates can help, your teammates can accomplish it. So not just building that belief in yourself, but recognize that you need to build belief in other people. And when you start to share beliefs in other people, that's really when they start to believe in you as a leader, whatever it might be. So that, and then your energy is, you know, just to quickly highlight that is you're in control. Mm -hmm. If you're going to let circumstances and the environment dictate your response to things, you're at a disadvantage. You need to be able to step into circumstances and drive those circumstances with your energy, with your passion, with what you want to do. And part of that is you, you've got to create it on the days that it's not normal. And it's easy to act and be a champion when things are you're winning and, right. and things are going right. But that's not life and that's not every day. When On those days, how are you going to create your energy? Mm-hmm. The world out there we talk about, there, there's a lot of negativity. People are going to be doubting it. You're going to have emotional things and setbacks. Emotion likes to trick us into feelings that mm-hmm. might make us do actions, but really being able to recognize your emotion, but don't let those be a driver either. Those are real, but be able to push those back into your energy. And the last part is that energy, is you've got to elevate it. You know, be that, be a, a thermostat, not a thermometer. You've got to walk into an environment and change the temperature. If you're going to walk into an environment and become the temperature, you're not going to really become what you have fully capable of as fast. Leadership is influence. And that's kind of the part when we think about influence, how are the people you're surrounding yourself with? Are they making you better? Are they pushing your moral character up? And you know, vice versa. How are you impacting the people on your teams and in your classrooms and those kind of things? What is the influence you're, you're giving? And then also in this day and age, it's not just the people. Uh, it's, it's the technology too. You know, it's what are we watching on TV? What are we, you know, doing on social media? What are we reading as far as books? What are we digesting on the things that we want to get better? What are we putting into our bodies? Because that's going to influence your energy right. and belief. If your energy low is low, your belief's going to dwindle right. that day. And so right. really being able to be conscious of, of what you're allowing to influence uh, your body and your brain. And the last part that I talk about is action because belief, energy, your influence are great. If all those things are in the right perspective and align with what you want to do, awesome. But without action, they're, they're a little meaningless. And so that action is, is what turns those beliefs and energy from a mindset to a skill set. You know, we're more likely to act our way into a feeling than feel our way into action. 
And I think, you know, that's those days you just get up and go do it, go do the work. And mm -hmm. I, I get, I think the easiest analogy I tell people is uh, people that want to work out or, or, or do something, they want to get more fit. Right. And I tell them, wake up and do five push-ups. And if you can't wake up and do five push-ups for seven days in a row, you, but you're also, if you wake up and do five, you'll probably do 10, 15, 20. Sure. And I, someone challenged me with this and was like, why am I doing five? I can do 20 real quick. Five. Yeah. You know, and, and, but that also, you know, has a component of, you know, you do something that's good and positive to start the day, that's momentum. Mm -hmm. And part of that was, is, you know, they've done research that if some people just wake up and do 10 push-ups, they're going to make healthier eating choices throughout the day. Yeah. At least you're doing something and progressing yeah, forward. And, Start and, doing something. And it's for, and I think even when I, you know, kind of transitioned and started my own company, it's that, that analogy of there's this thick fog. Mm -hmm. You can't, you know, you have a vision of where the destination is, but you can't see it. And it's always about moving that five feet and then the fog a little more, a little more. Right. And Jim right. Thompson from PC always uses that analogy. And the other one he liked was, uh, takes a lot of energy to get it all flat, right. but once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about, you know, elevate, educate, rejuvenate right now. It's, it's, you've been pushing that flywheel for a year and now it's starting to kind of start to spin on its own a little bit. We'll put it, uh, links to that in our, in our show notes, but it's been great hearing your Jersey to job, uh, career adventure, where can people follow you? Where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, elevate, educate with the number eight, uh, E-L-E-V-8, E-D-U-8. Okay. Um, on Instagram, it's the same, but we have Rejuvenate on there, too. You can also find me on Twitter and Facebook at Tyler Johnson. If I can ever help any of you guys or have questions or, or anything or you find something in my past that might be a connection, please reach out. Uh, I'm here with Dave because I love to help people. And if there's someone out there that might be able to make a connection or share something beyond that. I got to give a shout out to Michael Carraway for reconnecting us again, a common friend that uh, we didn't know was a common friend till later on. But uh, Tyler, thanks for taking the time and good luck in the future. Thank you so much for the wonderful having me.